Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm J.B. Shreve with the Faithful Considerations podcast. This is going to be our final episode in the series on grace, the energy of God for this week. We'll pick back up uh, beginning of next week. This episode, we're going to look at how Christ broke it open. Everything always centralizes on Christ, and we're going to look at his role in securing and accessing the grace for us. That's what we're looking at today. So if you haven't already, head to the website, jbshreve.com. You can subscribe for free to be alerted whenever there's new podcast episodes and new articles, things like that. Not going to spend a lot of time with the introduction today. Going to go ahead and jump in to today's episode, Christ Broke It Open, part three in our podcast series on grace, the energy of God. So far, as we've looked at this idea of grace, we described it as the energy of God, right? So we've talked about it as the attention of God on our lives and how the people of God in the Old Testament would have understood grace as God's blessing. We looked at the early church and how the people defined themselves by the grace of God. They knew how to identify it, how to, how to follow it, how to track it. For the first Christians, everything was about this new energy of God pouring into their lives, we're going to look at the operations of grace in coming episodes, but it's important It's important to see where and how Christ fits into all of this. Without Christ, there is no age of grace, like we talked about in the last episode. When Jesus came to earth, he lived a sinless human life, died on the cross, then rose from the dead. He changed all the rules. In the spirit realm, it was like a, a, a surprise attack with a hydrogen bomb by the forces of God against the forces of darkness. The darkness wasn't expecting it, and they didn't know how to handle it, right? This is real important here. When we think of Jesus, we shouldn't think merely of a man hanging on the cross. That's the religious perspective of Jesus, beat down, dying, whipped, literally whipped. That's not the image of Christ that believers of the New Testament, the believers in the book of Acts. That's not the perspective of Christ that they had. That's not the image that the writers of the New Testament, that they wrote about. This is how Paul described Jesus. He said in Philippians 2.10, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Colossians 1.15 to 20, he's the, talking about Jesus. He is the, invi- the image of the invisible God. It's one of my favorite verses for some reason. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Jesus himself described himself this way. This is Matthew 28, 18. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's not sad, beat down, 
wimpy Jesus that we're seeing hanging on the walls of a lot of churches through the centuries, or even worse, imprinted on the minds of a lot of believers. Jesus won. He was victorious. He was the secret weapon God used to change the whole game of creation. But the victory that Christ gained wasn't just at the cross, wasn't just at the resurrection even. It wasn't just about getting us to heaven. Let's revisit a verse we looked at in the last episode. Before time began, 2 Timothy 1.9, before time began, he planned to give us, in Christ Jesus, the grace to achieve this purpose. The plan all along was that God would give us his energy, his grace to achieve his purpose. Christ made that possible. But Christ was also the delivery system. If we want access to the grace of God, the energy of God, then we got to want Christ. That's why everything in heaven and earth is under his authority, because everything in heaven and earth is powered by God's energy, except, of course, those things that are dying. They're operating according to a different energy, which we're going to look at in the next episode. When you read the Gospels, you see Jesus talking about this. He says he's the bread of life, and anyone who comes to him won't hunger again. He's giving us a different description of the the grace, just like I've been doing in this series, but I'm using the term the energy of God. Jesus said he was the living water, and anyone who came to him wouldn't thirst again. When you see it this way, it's kind of like he's hitting over the head with the obviousness of the message. I'm the life. Whoever comes to me and believes will not die, but have eternal life. Jesus is the doorway to the energy of God. He gave us access, and he also became the channel for constant infilling of God's grace. Again, hopefully by this point in our podcast series, looking at the grace of God, you're past the traditional perspectives of grace as a decision by God to to give us something we didn't deserve. That description, that definition, it's not enough. It's not enough to accurately describe what the grace of God is. It's much bigger than that. The description of Christ and his mission in the opening verses of the book of John really captures this relationship with Jesus to the grace, the energy of God. This is John 1, 14 to 18. I'm reading in the English Standard Version. It says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is the Father's, who is at the Father's side, side, he has made him known. Christ carried within himself the essence of God's grace. John described that grace or energy as the glory of the Son of God. When I read those words, I imagine grace as this majestic robe of spiritual energy that clothed Christ and signaled his glory to the whole spirit realm who looked upon him. And out of the fullness of Christ, he launched the age of grace so that we could behold and experience the grace upon grace emanating from the heart of God into our lives. The aim, the mission of Christ was our reception of this grace because the grace changes us, it shapes us, it defines us according to the standard of God. It all begins with Him. No man comes to the Father 
except through Christ. That's what the Bible tells us. So when we come to God, we are by default coming through Christ. And God is hearing us. We have his attention when we come through that doorway. Really, you can imagine the spiritual energy of God pulsating in the heavenly realm through Christ Jesus. You can can hear it vibrating with intensity, with power, as it creates a new pathway to God where there wasn't one before. You can hear it burn and sizzle in the the heavenlies as Christ becomes a doorway for us to go to God's throne of grace and also for his grace to come down to us. It's shaping us, leading us, forming us into new beings in the earth. The age of grace, the energy of God was established upon the work of Jesus. Everything in heaven, everything on earth was put under his authority. The New Testament makes this really clear. This isn't just a title though. I think somehow that's what we reduce it to. That's not right, though. This is functional. It's operational. It's like a leak in a nuclear plant. The energy of God has poured out, and it's destabilized the old system. It ripped a tear in the old ways, and through that tear, God began building a new order, a new kingdom, a new creation, a new type of human being. When we tap into the grace of God, we're participating in that newness. It's all born out of the energy of God. Look at this verse. This is from Romans. As Paul discussed the architecture of the new order born out of the grace of God. This is Romans 1, 1 through 6. He says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised before him through his prophets and the Holy, Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who is descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord through him we through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ Paul's apostleship every true apostleship is founded upon the grace of God presented through Jesus Christ everything in the kingdom of God is born out of this grace The grace is so incredibly central to his kingdom, and it was made accessible to us through Christ. Again, the paradigm that holds grace as unmerited favor, it sees grace only as a decision of God. It was, but it was more than that. It was the energy of God that accomplished his will through Christ, but then continued to roll forward into time to build the church, launch apostles, change lives, and birth or bring forth the kingdom of God and bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. When we get to the end of the book in Revelation, we see the fulfillment of this new creation born out of the energy of God. Revelation 21, the first four verses, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell among them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. The old things passed away. The laws of physics say that everything in the world atrophies. It decays, it dies, it rots away. That's not the architecture 
of this new creation born out of the grace of God, it's constantly moving to new, deeper, greater life. It's powered by the energy of God rather than the energy of the earth. That's why you can't will yourself into the righteousness and holiness or into God's favor. The human will is an earth-based thing. It decays. It rots away. It fades. It only gains life when it comes or connects to the energy of God. Then it's renewed and made into something totally new. Look at this new city of God described in Revelation. Once we understand the grace of God as the energy of God, well, then we see it everywhere. We see it in this picture of what God is building. This is Revelation 21, 10 to 14. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and on the gates the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel were inscribed. On the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Skipping down a few verses into verses 22 to 27, it says, And I saw no temple in this city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no sun, no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it, and its gates will never be shut by day. There will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The power source is the glory of God. Well, what's the glory? What's the power that fuels the new creation so powerful, so powerfully that there's no need for a sun or a moon? We've already seen that in John chapter 1. He says, and we've seen his glory, glory as the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. It's the grace of God. Grace won't stop after Christ returns. It continues to be the energy of God that defines, that establishes his kingdom. It defines us. It's the oxygen of the new kingdom of God. The famous passage about God's throne of grace in Hebrews 4 It's not an image of God making decisions about who he will give his grace to and who he won't. It's not about that. It's about Christ gaining us access to the core of God's energy. And we can now freely go there to that core. We can gain that energy for strength, for victory, for building his kingdom. Listen to this, the words in this passage. This is the whole point. All right. Since then, this is Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that may, we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Christ broke it open, wide open. He's the one we go to now, and he gives us access to the energy of God so that we can become who God designed us to be. When the early church talked about Christ, he wasn't a historical figure. I think a lot of churches today, a lot of Christians, dilute the reality here by focusing on that. Was he a historical figure? Sure. Sure. But that wasn't really the point. 
History is not that big a deal. It's a small speck in eternity. The real deal is the energy of God that Christ opened up to us. He turned the system inside out. Now we can cross over. Even while we're in this realm, we can take hold of the energy of God in the spirit realm. If you want grace, seek Christ. That's the bottom line of this episode. Seek Christ and grow in the energy of God. In our next episode, we're going to begin to drill down into the practical applications of grace, practical applications of the energy of God. We're going to look at two competing energies that fight for our soul. When we recognize who and what those energies are, where they come from, the decision of which one to follow is pretty easy to make. That's what we'll look at Monday with the next episode in our podcast series, Looking at Grace, the Energy of God. Thanks for listening, everyone.